Survival Podcast, as always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life, if times get tough or even if they don't. Today is August the 28th, 2017, and this is episode 2074 of the Survival Podcast. It's a Monday. That's usually a listener feedback show. I don't think we're doing that today at all, man. We uh, we have Stephen Harris, who's going to be on the phone with us in just a minute to tell us about um, deployment of CAC teams, which is a disaster response team that I envisioned, uh, founded a, a group of, of people to put together, and then, as I often do, once I got it going, I stepped out of the way and let good people do good work, and uh, they did that, and we now have a, a community-built team called the C Citizens Assisting Citizen, or CAC Team. It's available to learn more about it at CACteam.com. I originally envisioned this team after Hurricane Sandy, and I looked at a response from the American Red Cross and some other responders, and I thought, these people don't look like they can find their ass with two hands. Um, since that time, things have gotten better because, well, when you make a living collecting donations and you do that bad, you kind of have to. And I think the overall response to things like this is better. But there's still a need for a fast, agile team of people who can go to where others are not being helped. That's the, 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 you know, the group of 20 people stuck in a state park uh, and, and the Red Cross and, and what Salvation Army is not there uh, or the people that are stuck in a parking lot or something like that. Uh, just a little bit of food, a little bit of water, a little bit of advice, ability to charge a phone, things like that. That's what CAC team is really all about. And then having the ability to assess a situation, go, what do you need? And then be able to say, okay, you need that, we'll go get that. That's that's what we're doing with CAC team. And to talk more about that and get straight into it today, I want to welcome Stephen Harris to the Survival Podcast. Hey, Steve, nice to have you on today as a guest rather than just via recording uh, as a member of the Expert Council. All right, with that, hey, Steve, man, welcome to the Survival Podcast, live and in person this time instead of uh, by recording for the Expert Council. <laughs> Jack, happy to be back, and we got some good stuff going on. Yeah, we've got good stuff going on because bad stuff's going on. So you are the uh, chairman of the board of Citizens Assisting Citizens, which for those that maybe are newer to the show may not know is an organization that I conceived of, kind of got you, you guys together and then stepped out of the way and let people that know what the hell they're doing put together a nonprofit emergency response team. And uh, right now you guys have people deploying. You want to give us kind of just catch us up on what the, what's been going on in the, the citizens assistance citizens world since this whole thing started, you know, last week? Well, we had a requirement initially for you to become a scout anchor vehicle and a feeder vehicle, and um, you had to take some of my videos and a few things. And then we had a list of things that you need that cost about $480 off of Amazon for you to get. Uh, you know, a toe strap was one of them, uh, a pop-up tent, uh, two four-foot-long tables, and we needed you to have a van or, I mean, a pickup truck or a van and a trailer to deploy, and we wanted you to be teamed up two at a time and everything. Well, Hurricane Harvey started. Hurricane Harvey started, and I talked to the executive uh director tom 
and we decided to spend every single penny we had on Hurricane Harvey. And the reason for that is it's going to be big, large, going on for weeks, and it's something that we can respond to. Uh, actually, um, you know, you know, we're a private disaster relief agency, and we actually have trouble finding disasters to go out to. I mean, <laughs> la last year there were no tornadoes, and you know, there hasn't been any hurricanes making landfall for ten years. And it's like there's not much we can respond to. We tried to respond to a major flood, and they said, you know, Red Cross and Salvation Army was there. So they kind of said, like, okay, we got this. We don't need you. Because you know when a flood is coming. You got two days of advance notice, and people get out. And the same thing goes for, uh, for uh, fires in California. They are organized to a T. And, you know, they have dedicated people who come out and help and everything. And it's like, okay, so we can't respond to forest fires. And then it's like, can we respond to an earthquake? No, we can't. Because an earthquake is an area of denial. It heaves up the concrete and everything else. Unless you're inside the radius, you can't get in or you can't get out. So this started leading us to increasing, increasingly amounts of things we couldn't respond to, and we're basically twiddling, twiddling our thumbs. And Harvey came along, and it's like, this is going to be huge. This is going to be worse than Katrina. And I put out an email. I said, okay, all CAC people, regardless if you're qualified for a scout anchor vehicle or not, we need you. And... I got, except for a few people calling me, I got crickets. So I got a hold of Jack and said, Jack, you know, take my email, put it out to your entire TSP list. And then I had people call, I had people contacting me. So right now, the stands, we got about nine people deploying in the next, between today and three days from now. Because, you know, this thing's going to be going, it's going to, an ongoing event. It's not stopping raining until Thursday. And then the, there's the whole recovery and everything else. So we got like nine people who's, I, they said, what's the requirement for, be, you know, going out with CAC team? And I said, breathing, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Said, you just need to be breathing. Any vehicle, anything, we just, you know, we want to respond to this. And so uh, I, I, got, I got about nine people out re responding, and we need more. And you guys are welcome to, you know, go and help in Texas. I promise you it's going to be an adventure of a lifetime. Um, you can go to Stephen1234.com, get my email in the upper right-hand corner, and email me with the subject line, I want to help. Give me your name, your city, your state, and your cell phone number, and I will call you back. I will personally brief you. I'll make sure that you have everything that you need. And anyone deploying, uh, one of the things we're offering is cell phone charging. Uh, if you call me and say you want it, I'll give you a free copy of my um, <clears throat> of my uh, cell phone video, which is every single way in the world to keep a cell phone charged. And uh, 
See, and uh, then I'll, I'll turn you over to Tom, the executive director. We have people picking up what's called a Bluebird card in Walmart. And if, once you register your, Blue, your Bluebird card, we can remotely add funds to it. So it's like we'll load you up with 300 bucks, and you go fill up in Dallas on water and crackers. Oh, that's all the other thing. The only thing we're giving away is water. Crackers, diapers, and baby wipes. And you know, those are the only four things that we are taking into the disaster area. And we're really not going into the, the disaster area. We're dealing with the refugees who have flooded out of the disaster areas. I mean, there's people who left Houston with a quarter tank of fuel. And you know, halfway up the state, they run low on fuel, they pull into a Walmart parking lot. The gas stations are empty. The ATMs are empty. Walmart's out of food. Walmart's out of water. And Walmart's out of diapers. And they're you know sleeping in the car. And they got they get their, their son or kid, a little two-year-old, is outside in a little grassy patch with trees uh, between the, in the parking lot. And he's running around with a crappy diaper. They don't have anything to replace it with. And I said, guys, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go through the Walmart parking lots, the Home Depot parking lots, and find these displaced people and do one-on-one -on -one charity with them. See, and that's what we did this for, right? And and when you mentioned the things that we're, we're – because we know those things are necessary we're loading up with. But the way we set this up is if there is a need that we haven't thought of, because of the way this orga the organization works and how flexible it is – We don't have a warehouse with this stuff in it where we're bringing predetermined stuff every time we go somewhere. If they find someone and they say, we need this, you know, we mm. can get that. Or I think I told you this morning before we got on the air, there's a lady near me that has a 10 by 10 room stacked floor to ceiling with clothing. So mm. if, if they find out there's people that need clothing... You know, I've got people staying right here at my house as a jump-off point. They can go grab that. So what's interesting is we put this together. We got very organized with training people. So they had certain, you know, training certifications and stuff like that. They have all their equipment. But, but for whatever reason, the people registered and qualified through our organization were not available. But the, the structure is such that, like you said, You want to help? You can breathe? You have a car and a driver's license? Come on, let's go. And, and that's something I think most organizations can't do. We're, we're built for this. This is exactly the type of disaster we're built for. And the thing is, I tell everyone at the end of my briefing, I am totally empowering you. You are the person on the scene down there. And you're staying in touch with me. But you're the one down there. Your decision is final. I am not going to second guess you. I'm not going to say, oh, we can't reimburse you for this item or anything else. Uh, I, if you think you need a shovel, then you go buy a shovel. If you think you need someone, um, something else to help someone else, you go buy you know, that thing for them. And just you know, save your receipts, take pictures of them. And we're not going to go hem and haw and say, well, you really, I, you're the guy on the scene. You're empowered to do whatever it takes 
to do your job. And it's like we have this channel on Zello called Citizens Assisting Citizens. And I didn't even get a chance to email to everyone. And one of the guys found out about it. And he got everyone else all organized on Zello. Yeah, you said they're putting you out of work. They took your job away. They did. <laughs> they did. They took my job away. They organized themselves. And here's the other great thing that we got. There were like nine people throughout Texas. Some in Houston, some in Austin, some in San Antonio, uh, Jack's place. And other, these people all said, hey, I can't come and help, but guess what? I'm here in Texas. And I said, uh, you have power? She goes, no. I go, are you prepared with food and water and battery and energy? She goes, I've been listening to Jack Spirico for two years. What do you think? <laughs> I said, okay, enough said. So these people have, you know, I have a master text file that I send out to everyone two, three times a day with updates to uh, the safe havens is what we call them and, uh, you know, other instructions and other people who join. So everyone has everyone else's phone number. Everyone has everyone else's email. Everyone knows about where they can go for a safe haven. And and people did it. They, I mean, they, they stayed, you know, they contacted people on the safe haven. One guy is driving in from Tennessee. And I said, Man, you're you're far away. He goes, yeah, but I'm in Western Tennessee. It's only 12 hours to Dallas, and he's young. And I said, one thing you're going to, I said, do you realize you're going on the adventure of a lifetime? That you're going to be talking about this for the next 20 years? And he goes, he says, I'm all in. <laughs> and I, I said, fine, buddy. You want to drive your van to Dallas, Texas? We'll help take care of your fuel, and but you got to be self-sufficient. You got to bring a tent. Uh, you got to bring your own food, your own water. We don't need you becoming a victim. If you're driving into a disaster area, you need to have enough fuel to drive out of it because the people leaving in the city are like locusts. They just consume everything. I got a friend in Gonzales, Texas, that's uh, east of uh, Austin or San Antonio, I forget which, and it's a small town, but this major Texas road, not a highway, but like an, uh, a regular two-lane road, goes up through it, and people evacuating were going through Gonzales, and they were stopping by the white Walmart, and they were wiping out the gasoline, they wiped out the ATMs, they wiped out the food, they out wiped out the water, and then the herd of locusts you know, kept on going, and some of them stayed there, and so it's the ref it's the human wave of refugees that is becoming the issue. And what we're there for is to provide a little bit of food, water, cell phone charging, uh, some comfort and some advice. And if you're like stuck in a parking lot with no fuel and you know you there you appear to be a pretty cool person. You know, our people will take you to a Red Cross shelter if they are comfortable with doing that, but they don't have to do that. So we're just, you know, we're just stepping in and seeing what can we do. If we show up to a shelter and there's a Red Cross there, they all have instructions to say to go elsewhere, okay? But ask the Red Cross, where is there a shelter that 
you're not serving at this two seconds. And they'll say, oh, there's a Baptist church down the street with about 30 people. Fine. Go to the Baptist church three, you know, two miles down the road and go help the people. Because let me step in there for a second. That This is why I came up with this concept. When I look at Sandy, I, I did feel like the Red Cross couldn't find their own ass during Sandy. But... They were making an effort, and there were plenty of places where people were getting help, but there were so it was so big, there were places where nobody was getting help, and what you need is the mobility of being able to make those split-second decisions, because most of these, these organizations, I don't want to crap on them or anything, but it's a very stringent set of rules that they, 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 they file, you know, go by. And if you go to them and say, I have supplies, they won't even take them. They'll tell you to go make a donation. And that's yep. not because the person in the field is an asshole. He's doing what he was told to do. But yep. but this 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 mechanism that we've put in place allows that on the spot decision making process. People need shit here, so we're going here. People have this stuff here, but they don't have that. Okay, fine. I'm going to go 50 miles north where the stores are open. Get that and come back here with it, so that these people can have you know what they need, you know what have you. And I don't know anybody else taking this approach. There's a guy local here. They're loading up a box truck and they're going to drive it down to Houston at the end of the week. But you know what's going to happen? They're going to drive it to a, like one place and they're going to dump it all off, and a bunch of it's going to sit there and knock it to people that need it right now. Yep. And that's how those things happen. And and, and this, you know, it's really like a rapid response team. Yeah, we're dealing with all of the right now type of issues. And uh, that's exactly what we wanted to do. We wanted to be nimble. We wanted to be on the move. We you know, said, this is what we're here for. We're going to spend all of our money that we've had saved up, which was about $10,000 at the time. Uh, more donations have come in since then. And we're going to spend all our money on Harvey. And then uh, I, I told everyone, I beat everyone up. <laughs> I said, what do I want? What do I need from you? He, they go, pictures. I go, right, how many? He, they go, hundreds, hundreds of pictures. I'm, and I'm supposed to take two pictures of everything. And I go, that's right. And how about video? As much video as I can. And I go, perfect. That's what we need to show people where their money is going. So every penny that you donate to CAC team, which is at CACteam.com. Every penny goes directly to helping people, except we have two bills a year that we have to pay. We have to pay $10 to the state of Colorado for being a nonprofit, and we have to pay for a post office box. That's it. There are no salaries. There's no honorariums. There's no per diems. There's no nothing for the board of directors. In fact, it is in our charter that we do not get paid, period, at all. It is an all-volunteer organization. Uh, now, when you're going out, what we said is like, okay, fine, we'll buy your fuel and we'll buy the food and water and anything else you need to dis distribute, And you, but all the hotels are full, so we can't buy you a hotel. We can't buy you dinner at Cracker Barrel because they're wiped out as well. But, you know, here's the list of safe havens. Here's what you, you can do and, you know, go for it. And yesterday they, yesterday they had a hard time finding people, but they got a hold of a mayor and the mayor said there's this 
convention center north of uh, San Antonio that's full of people and they don't right. have hardly anything. Great. And so Great. what all the guys did is they teamed up and they met at Jack's place and you know they left half their cars behind. So they combined the resources into you know from two vehicles to one vehicle and they're driving down the road, one guy is riding shotgun, and he's the navigator. He's running Google Maps and Google GPS, and he's, you know, calling up police stations and fire stations saying, we're a non-profit relief org. Where are the people in your area that need help that the Red Cross and Salvation Army and FEMA aren't, aren't ser serving? You know, the fire the guy's going, hey, there's 60 guys in my parking lot behind my fire barn. You come help them. And it's like, okay, fine, we'll be there. And uh, it's been very flexible. In fact, I have uh, another guy from Kentucky, if you've ever heard of Jake. Well, if you ever met Jake, you'd know him. Tennessee, you mean. He's from Tennessee. He's from Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, Jake and another lady are driving to Texas, and they're going to be, you know, helping do the effort. <clears throat> and the other thing is we're charging cell phones. And I, I said, you know, I'll give you my complete class for free on cell phones, and then you can go to Amazon, buy the items. So you got two uh, chargers, each one takes six USB jacks. You get six uh, um, Amazon certified uh, Amazon basic lightning cables, and you get six USB cables that are micro USB, and you get a few micro USB to type C adapter, because those are the three formats that are out right now. And you pull up, you know, a bunch of people, and you say, hey, come over here, let's charge your cell phone. You pop your hood, clamp on the inverter, plug these things in, start charging people's cell phones and talking with them and saying, what's your story? And, and, you know, take a few pictures and, you know, get out some crackers and some water and everything else and help them and then go find another parking lot full of people or another church full of people. I said, but everyone knows the emphasis, the first emphasis is on one person to one person or one person to one family charity you know rather than just dropping off a ton of ice and water it's like go help the person independently well and i think that's so needed right now like you know getting your phone charged having someone talk to you that gives a shit you know like there's a there's not just a resource need right now there is a a kind of a human connection someone cares need and at these big disaster centers and all, you know, they're just trying to deal with it. Like, here's some stuff and go, right? Um, right. And, 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 you know, people, sometimes people just need to know, like, where, where do I go next? Because some of these people aren't stuck. They're kind of, ha they don't have any place to go. That's why they're stuck. And our guys can tell them, well, you know, since you're, you've, you've got mobility, like, you're good if you go another 30 miles north, right? This is where right. to go, right? Because sometimes they just need to be pointed in the right direction. Or like you mentioned with, like, cell phones and stuff like that. The, the, the importance of being able to communicate and get information is huge. And it's hard to believe that people, you know, would evacuate a disaster without a freaking charging cable. But yep. they do it. I mean, there's people right now, you know, on the red line of their phone. Trying to trying to get you know a, a call out or a message through, and the phone's dying. So 
I mean, all of that stuff. And I mean, I think we've pretty much covered where we're at. Again, though, like if people want to help, I think what we need to make sure they understand is they don't need to be certified. They don't need to be trained. All they need to do is get in touch with you or Tom, and you guys will point them in the right direction, help them out, and tell them what they need to be doing. And as we get more people on the ground, we'll get more intelligence about where we're needed, and I think we'll be able to concentrate our efforts a little better. And it's 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 starting to look to me. I, I wonder if you'll agree with this. It's starting to look to me like we might be sending people into Louisiana soon because yeah. that's where it's headed next. Like it's Beaumont and 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 what have you, and uh, and eastern Louisiana is about to just get rocked with this rain. Um, the 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 big fancy stuff that they show on TV with the reporter holding the microphone and fighting the wind, like that stuff's yeah. over. But that wasn't the real danger this time. This water yeah. is the danger. This flooding is the danger. It's worse than Katrina, and it's by far worse than Katrina. And some of the people you're helping don't have a home to go back to. You can't get into Victoria or Rockport, and they're just complete devastation areas, and people don't know what the state of their house is. So when I, I became a reserve sheriff deputy when I was in Pennsylvania for about five years, and I will never, ever, ever forget my instructor, He looked all of us and said, okay, shut up and listen very carefully. You're about to become uh, Sheriff Reserve deputies. Now, you have the burden and you have the responsibility and duty that you are going to be there and it might be the worst day this person has ever had in their life. And how you treat them, what you say, And what you give them will forever be in their mind about how they remember that day. So, guys, it's like, no pressure here, okay? But that is what you are going to be doing when you go out and you're handing out packages of crackers and water. And it's like, you know, we're showing up and, and people are just confused. They don't know what to do. So like, we're here for you. Hey, we found uh, uh, we found a, a, a church, you know, the Baptist church down the street. They're taking all comers. In fact, the one thing the state of Texas has done, they've opened up all of their state parks. No money for admission, no money for camping. Just show up, pop up a tent, or bring your RV. You got a place to stay, you know, in the state park of the great state of Texas. And so we got people going through there, checking out state parks, and it, it really has become the community, and not just us, the community responding to their fellow brethren, you know, those of you who help the least of my people help me. And... It, it, I mean, the state of Texas, the federal government, private organizations, neighbors, friends, family, uh, cell phones are staying up because cell phones were changed after 9-11. They put a great deal of backup. So your cell phone, uh, you can get an application called Glimpse, G-L-Y-M-P-S-E. You can send me a glimpse. See, what I'm doing is I'm doing what's called Overwatch. You know, I am overwatching these eight people who are deployed. And I'm making sure I know where they are, what they're doing, that they're safe. 
one guy found out, it's like, hey, I'm in a state park. I gave out all my stuff. I didn't even go through half the people. We're on Zello. I say, who else can respond to the state park outside of Austin? And someone comes back and says, I can. I say, okay, go there. And I tell the other guy, you drive out, get more stuff, drive back in. And, um, it, it, and the people coming out saying, hey, any, you know, any stranger you know, who's working for you can come by my private house and we will feed them, give them a shower and a bed. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, okay, perfect. I mean, people who can't do are doing what they can do, uh, you know, to any level. And some people have said, I got 60 gallons of fuel because they're following the Jack Spearco method of rotating fuel. And it's like, if they need some gas, we got gas. Jack, I mean, the outpouring, uh, you know, when I was a kid, I learned my mother's life was dedicated to charity and I remember hopping into dumpsters and pulling out uh, boxes of overripe peaches and slightly blemished tomatoes and things that they threw out and we took these to like a woman's house who had five kids whose husband abused her and then left her and she didn't know where the kids were going to, what they were going to get to eat that night and, you know, we, we brought them this stuff and, you know, they were crying and saying thank you and everything else. And I learned at a very early age that charity is one-on-one -on -one and charity is generally anonymous. You go, just go do it and you don't tell anyone that you did it. Um, you just, you know, sometimes the person doesn't even know that you were the one who was helping them. You just helped them up when they were in a bad time. And this is what we've been getting at CAC team. So if you want to help, if you want to drive to Texas or Louisiana and you want to, you know, get, uh, ha have us help fund you and do it and everything else, go to Stephen1234.com. Get my email in the upper right-hand corner. Send me your name. Send me your city, your state, and send me your cell phone number. I will call you back. You know what? You don't need to go today. If you go five days from now, there will still be millions yeah. of people who need your assistance. All right, Steve. Um I think it's great, people that had to get a hold of you, and I want to reiterate, like if you can't go today, because today's Monday, we will run out probably of money before we run out of people to help. So um, if you can plan to go later in the week, this coming weekend, we'd love to have you guys. And, and I really appreciate you being on the air with us. I'll let you go now, because I know you, you're overseeing all this stuff, and you got people to coordinate with. But, but thanks for coming on the air today. Yep, yep. The last thing, if you want to do a financial donation, you can go to CACteam.com, click on the financial uh, donation button, and if you have five bucks, ten bucks, whatever you want to donate, I guarantee you it's going to be going directly to the end people from our people to them. Definitely. I don't think anybody can compete with the percentage of money that goes to help people. Um, yeah. From you know, these big charities like Red Cross and all, you know, they they're they're spending fifty, sixty percent of their money on marketing. Uh, yeah. We don't we don't do that. 
nope. pretty much TSP is the marketing. And, again, man, th thanks for being with us today, Stephen. Yeah, I got one more thing. Right. Okay, it's raining in Houston from last Friday to basically this Thursday, right? How well is that solar panel you bought <laughs> to charge your phone working? Oh, Right, <laughs> you're, in the, you're in the middle of six days of rain. How's your solar panel? <laughs> All right, Steve. I'll, I'll see you, Jack. Time. Thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks for being on. Before I talk a little bit more about all of this, I'd like to just take a minute and say a very big thank you to Stephen Harris. Uh, the people that I originally assembled to put this this thing together were good people, but on some levels they had some lacking of direction, and Steve came into the middle of that and said, I, I want to make this work. Because there was actually a time I, I, I really doubted that CAC team, um, or the TSP DRT is what I originally called it, the, the Survival Podcast Disaster Response Team, would, would ever actually be what it is today. It, there, there was a lot of talking and not doing, which was exactly the problem I was trying to address in the first place. So I was pretty disheartened. Stephen Harris and Tom Patterson, who's the executive director, uh, together made this thing into something real. And Steve may have repeated himself a bit, and I even uh, uh, removed a few things like that from that interview uh, to, to shorten its duration. But the reason is because he's running on about four hours of sleep right now. He's been working tirelessly getting people ready to deploy who were not trained to deploy. That's what you have to understand. The people that were trained to deploy didn't show up for this one so far. And what we have are seven individuals, and, and, and more, I think, every, every couple hours we're probably picking up another one that are saying, I will deploy. I don't know what to do. How do I deploy? What do I do? Where do I go? And this is what I wanted it to be because the fact that we can use people like that to go help people, to bring some relief to people, to bring – Just a little bit of reality that people do care. I know it's bad, but it's going to get better, as my granddaughter chimes in there from a distance with one of her classic yells. Um, it really makes a difference in people's lives. As Steve said, you may be talking to people like this on what is the worst day of their life, or at least they feel that way at that point. And uh, you know, it's, it's great to have something in place to be able to do this. I wanted to talk a little bit about some lessons here. On Friday, I came on the air and I said the following, get out, get out, get out. And many of the counties that were in the direct path of the initial onslaught had mandatory evacuation orders and some of them had voluntary evacuation orders. Many people heeded them, many people didn't. Even in the mandatory zone, sometimes people just didn't leave. Because generally speaking, with mandatory evacuations, they don't physically come and make you leave if you don't. Uh, they, they state that it's mandatory. They might throw some people out that don't want to go. But in general, they just don't have the time to go house to house and make sure everybody's complied. Houston, however, and I said this would be the case, was not hit by the hurricane. Um, it, it still hasn't even had what is the remaining eye of the storm hit it. It's rain. It's rain, it's rain, it's rain. The mayor of Houston advised Houston uh, residents to not leave, to stay in their homes, is his exact quote. At some other point, they released a statement. I don't know if it was directly from him or approved by him, but it was that Houston 
is not having a hurricane. We're having a rain event. Anybody could have looked at this storm with the data that was available publicly from places like the Weather Channel and known what was going to happen. Anybody with the brain. I did not say, get out, get out, get out, because... I am Jack Stradamus or Spirko Damus or something like that and could foresee something that others could not. Um, I looked at the available data and went, oh, my God, this is going to be one of the worst disasters to hit Texas in, in, in living history. I could just tell because it was obvious. To tell people to stay in their homes as the elected mayor of the city of Houston, which I think is the largest populated city in the United States or close to it, number one or number two, over six million people. And to tell them when this was coming not to leave was reprehensible. And people are defending it, this guy because they're saying, well, remember Rita and the highways being clogged and people, okay, listen, it, it's not like this is hard or anything. There's plenty of people in Houston that are doing just fine. And there's plenty that are, you know, at risk of losing their lives, and probably quite a few already have. When you get flooding in an area, Houston's not just a big city in population. It's a big city in area. It's a very, very large geographic city, and the areas surrounding it as well. You don't get the whole city flooded. You get areas of the city flooded. And there is no, no doubt whatsoever that they knew where the worst flooding would be because it's happened there before. In fact, it's happened there in the recent past. And it would have been very easy to specifically state that people in these areas need to evacuate either north of the city or to higher areas within the city, not to tell these people to stay in their homes. What they did is they called it lily pads, and they set up little shelters all over the place and said, hey, if you have a problem, you can go here. Any responsible public official and people right now, even the governor of Texas, I don't want to second guess uh, you know, public officials. I will totally be happy to second guess these people. Anybody with a modicum of common sense should have said, if you live in these areas, you need to get out, not if it happens, because it is going to happen. And I will tell you this, the worst of it in Houston has not yet happened. It is going to get worse before it gets better. Even though the rain will somewhat let up in Houston today, a lot of those bands and tropical storms always throw most of their rain to the east and north of the eye. And a lot of the areas north of Houston, like Conroe, etc., and further north, are going to get pounded with rain today. Not enough to cause them directly a huge problem. But where does that water go? Well, it goes into places like the Trinity River. Where does that go? Okay? This, the, 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 run, the runoff coming down from the north is going to make things worse. And then Houston is going to get pounded with more rain before this thing finally moves off. So I'm a big believer in solutions versus problems. And I could sit here and kick the mayor of Houston in the face for an hour and, and, and do a pretty entertaining show with it. And most people with common sense would go, that's a well-deserved verbal beating. I could, if I had the opportunity, punch the guy in the face and not feel very bad about it because I know there's people suffering because he said stupid shit that he shouldn't have said. But that's not the solution. What is the solution here? The solution is, if the government tells you to get out, get out. 
when they issue evacuation orders, it's going to be bad. Get out. But the other lesson is when they tell you to stay, don't necessarily listen. I'm going to go back to this. Anyone could have seen what was coming, and anyone could have figured out which areas of the city were going to be most effective. And now this is where I'm going to sound like a heartless bastard, and I'm really not, because remember, we just did a whole piece on trying to help these people. But that does include the people who live there. It does include the people who live there. It absolutely includes them. They could look and go, gee, what happened the last time there was major flooding in Houston? What areas flooded? Oh, gee, that was me. Maybe I should get the hell out of here. Maybe I should get the hell out of here. This is a good time for those of us who are not directly affected by this, not only to look around and see what can we do to help. And one way you can help is by donating your money to CAC Team. We will put it to good use. And I say we very loosely because it's not my organization. I do not benefit in any way whatsoever other than emotionally and spiritually from CAC Team. I am not even on their board of direct. I'm not on their board of directors. I'm not even an advisor. At one time, I was listed as an advisor, and I was an advisor, and I stepped back even from that and said, I, I get things going, and I step away. Um, but I can tell you that I have complete confidence. If you put a dollar in CAC team, unless it's the 20 bucks or so that's used once a year to pay the bill uh, that we have, it will go to work. It will go to work for people so much so that I personally made a very sizable donation to them yesterday. Um, And I don't donate into something unless I believe in it. So I can tell you we're not going to be running advertisements uh, using this to make money uh, the way that some organizations will. I'll also tell you this. If you want to give to a big charity, I would give to the Salvation Army way before I gave to the American Red Cross based on their track records. I'll just throw that out there. But, yeah, you can help that way. But the other thing we need to be thinking about is how do we avoid being the burden? I think maybe we'll, we'll you know, throw in a little bit uh, with today's show some, some basic preparedness 101 that we maybe don't cover as much as we should anymore as like we did in the very beginning. Once again, you can see what's going on here, and this is typical of, mo typical of most disasters. You have an affected area, a directly affected area. Then you have an indirectly affected area, and then you have an unaffected area creating basically a, a reverse island effect. There's an island of support just beyond the indirectly affected areas. So let's talk about what those areas are. I think the directly affected areas are pretty obvious. The directly affected areas are where the storm surge hit, where the wind blew buildings down, where tornadoes tore people's lives apart, where people are flooded and stuck on their roofs, um, where people uh, have, as a direct result of the storm, Uh, cannot get supplies because the stores are sold out and things like that. That's the direct effect. The indirect effect is pretty much a supply limitation. And that's what Steve was talking about. As people leave, and they're almost like a plague of locusts as they leave, buying everything that they can on the way out. And I'm seeing today a lot of hatred on Facebook with people posting pictures of you know a $24 case of water at a convenience store. Now, a case of water is probably usually about eight bucks, and at a convenience store, you probably pay about ten to twelve bucks. So, yeah, they doubled it or more in price. I actually think that's a good thing, though. Hear me out. If you are on the road and you are going from like Conroe North, and you're going to hang out here in Dallas for a while, you only need so much water. 
You only see so much bread. You only need so many bags of chips. And when you get up here, we have all you could ever want for the price that you are willing to pay. When stores do not jack prices up on goods like that, what happens is the first four or five people that walk in the door buy everything. And then there's nothing. So it's a way to ration. And if you really think a convenience store owner is going to get rich selling the 20 or 30 cases of water he has for 25 bucks a piece, you are not using your freaking head. You are acting, you're reacting emotionally and illogically if, that you're, if that's what you're worried about right now. And it's those, in, so then we have that indirect affected area. And that's what's going on there. Either a complete loss of resources or the people that have the resources are going to charge more for them and they're not doing it solely to make money. They're doing it in many reasons to slow down being completely sold out of these things. And again, don't think that person's life is going to change for the better because they charged you $24 for a, a case of water. The question I would have for the person bitching about $24 for a case of water is why didn't you buy a few cases of water when water was cheap and abundant and available to everybody in your area? Why is it the unprepared person who is the victim of the merchant who is trying to make sure he can serve as many people as possible? Just something to think about because I want to get to you know how we avoid being this person. And then you have the unaffected areas, or the very lightly affected areas. That would be Dallas-Fort Worth. You know, I'm sure gas will go up a quarter for everybody. It'll probably go up a little bit more than that for us. Um, we have a lot of refugees in the area, so we have a, a swelling of our population. They're using some resources, but, you know, it's a, it is a pretty elastic uh, supply channel that we have in major cities, so... They're able to adjust to that. You're not paying $24 for a case of water here. You're going to pay for a case of water here what you would pay for a case of water any other place or any other time you would be here about the same. So with that knowledge, how do we avoid being part of the burden on first responders and other victims? And it's simple. We're prepared. I bet that many of you have in your life prepared for a journey It would be akin to driving from Houston to Dallas. That's about 240 miles, by the way. And I bet when you did that, you didn't need 14 cases of water to get there. I bet you didn't need more than about one tank of gas. And if you were going to get stopped somewhere and you're going to get stuck somewhere, or you might be in traffic, you might think, you know, maybe another extra 10 gallons, two gas cans uh, in the back of the truck or something. And, and it, with that, you, you could probably help somebody else and never need it, but it would be there in case you did. It's not like making that journey in modern times with a motor vehicle is a difficult thing to do. And I bet many of you have taken trips where you were going to be gone for a week and you were able to work out for yourself that, gee, I'm going to need clothing. I'm going to need some clothing because, you know, the stuff that I'm wearing is going to stink in a day or two. And you thought, you know what, that's a good point since my clothing is going to stink. I should take stuff to be able to take a bath, like a towel and some soap and some shampoo and things like that. And if you start to think about what you do to take a one-week trip somewhere, you start getting pretty close to a basic plan for bugging out. Assuming you have resources to provide yourself some level of support when you get where you're going. And even if you don't, if you're going to go to a shelter or something like that, You know, having a, a full week's worth of clothing, uh, bathing, 
stuff, some of your own food and water. You know, that that will get you through the hardest part of this. And then as everybody begins to go home, we're, we're left with the people who have no place to go home to. And there's organizations and support that provide a lot of help for those people. And as the, the, the total number of people that need help drops, it's, it, it becomes not that difficult to help the people that still need it. So that's how we avoid being part of the burden. We simply have a good bug out plan. And, and I, I, it amazes me in, in prepper YouTube channels and, and, and prepper you know forums and prepper this and prepper that, that there's a whole contingent of people that are anti-bug out. You should never bug out. You bug in because this is where all your stuff is. Well, what about when your stuff is underwater? What about when you bugging in results in you standing on the roof of your house, waving and hoping somebody with a boat will come get you? And that's just one example. And that's what we need to be doing is we need to be you know, prepared, yes, to stay put when it makes sense for us. Because I guarantee you there are parts of Houston that if I lived in Houston, I would have left days before this impact happened. I would have gotten my animals to safety. I would have gotten myself to safety. I would have got the hell out. And I'd probably be sitting in Austin right now, gorilla podcasting, And at night, eating good barbecue and listening to great music. And I have the ability to basically support myself that way. But if I didn't, then, I'll, then I'd be in a tent somewhere or whatever. But I wouldn't be without the basic things that I need. I wouldn't be the people that we're looking for actively to help right now. And that way you can be part of the solution rather than the problem. And you can be part of the solution in that situation even if you have no place to go home to. Even if your home is destroyed, and that's why you bugged out because it could happen. At that point, you might as well help people where you are. And because you're prepared, you can be part of the assistance. Because for the time being, you'd have nothing else to do, and it's a pretty miserable feeling to know that your home's gone, and the best way you can feel better is to help yourself. So I think a good bug-out plan is, is a big thing. I think one of the things I'm going to suggest to Steve, and I, this had been knocked around and then, then just really hadn't been done, and I, I think maybe after this we'll have more people that want to be part of CAC, What I'd like to see CAC teams do is these anchor vehicles that Steve was talking about, where you have tables and charging stations and, and all the stuff that you need, a toe strap and all. I'd like to see people setting these up as, as anchor scout vehicles for CAC so we have more people to respond in the future. And I'd like to see these things go to places like churches on Sunday because churches are pretty easy places to go talk to a pastor or priest, what have you, and say, hey, Would it be okay if we set up out in your, your parking lot today and after each service, people are coming and going, you can let them know that we're out there to talk about basic preparedness and how to make sure they're prepared in their home. Showing them how to use a, an inverter, for instance, to you know power basic things to charge batteries so they can get through it, you know, a, a power outage a little bit better. Showing them, you know, this is what we do. We bring, you know, crackers and water to people. And when people say, that's all I would get, well, that's why you should be prepared individually. I think the, the, the bigger lesson here is not just being better at helping people that need it, but preventing people from needing help in the first place or preventing people from needing so much help. In fact, I'll put it to you this way. My heart aches when people die from something like this. And I, I don't know what the body count is yet, but I guarantee you there's people 
that have died in this storm. And, and, and when I think about that, I think not just about the person that died, because their troubles pretty much are over at that point. I think about the fact that they've left behind a son or a daughter or a mother or a father or a brother, etc., who now has this just awful hole in their heart because that loved one isn't there anymore to make a phone call to, to tell a story to, to tell you a funny joke when you're down and make you laugh. Then it hurts my heart to think of people lost because of the people they leave behind. You know what hurts more? The fact that many of the times when it's something like this, those people didn't have to die. Things happen. You know, we have storms every year here in North Texas. And we have enough frequency of them. You can't just every time there's going to be a thunderstorm bank roll through, evacuate. It's not practical. It's part of living here. And in that, you have your plan. You do your best you can. But every year, you know, some people are killed by tornadoes. And sometimes they take shelter. They do everything that they're supposed to do. And it just, it's not in the cards. And there really wasn't a way for them to have not been killed based on where they were, when it happened, and the options that they had available to them. When you have a hurricane sitting out in the Gulf of Mexico with a clearly projected path, most people that will end up victims of it and end up dead will not have had to have been victims of it and ended up dead. It didn't have to happen. Awareness and a willingness to take personal responsibility, and a willingness to be your own first responder, and a willingness to be your own frickin' mayor, governor, president. There are people that thought about leaving Houston, and when their mayor came out and the city came out and said, we're advising you to stay in your homes, they said, well, if that's what they say I'm supposed to do, that's what I'm going to do. That is not how you respond in a disaster. That is not how you prepare yourself for a disaster. You should never let the advice of government prevent you from taking steps to further your own safety. Now, I think ignoring advice from government and taking steps to further incur risk and danger is often foolish and should not be done. There are times, though, when even a governor says you shouldn't do something because you want to save someone or because the alternative is worse, you do it anyway. But when it comes to being told, don't worry, just stay in your home. If you're sitting there and you're thinking, I think maybe I should leave, you get up and you leave. You don't even wait for some loudmouth on a microphone the Friday that it's all going to go down to scream at you, get out, get out, get out, get out. You say to yourself, self, get out. And so many people will say, well, I wanted to leave, but I couldn't because. And I'm going to fill in the blank for you with the actual answer. Because you didn't have a plan for when it eventually would happen. That's why you couldn't leave. I couldn't leave because my elderly parent was here and wasn't able to travel. I bet your elderly parent could travel if you were prepared for it. I, want, I, I, I couldn't leave because I have two dogs. So that just means that you didn't think in advance what you were going to do with your two dogs. They won't have them at a shelter. Okay, then you've chosen to have dogs. You know they won't have them at a shelter. So then you need to have a plan for what you do when you evacuate. 
That can be a lot of different things. It can be that you're going to go camping somewhere with your dogs. It can be that you have made prior arrangements so that you can get your dogs into a kennel that's you know up in the area you're going to hang out at. And there probably won't be any problem getting that done. I guarantee you right now, if you want to get dogs into a kennel in Dallas-Fort Worth, it's probably not that hard. It's probably easier than getting a hotel room. It costs money. Yes, and you're the one that chose to have dogs. You're the one that chose to have personal responsibility for another living being. So it is your responsibility to do whatever you need to take care of that animal. And when you choose to have responsibility for a living being, whether it be a child or an animal, if you can't see to having enough of a reserve to get them through something like this, you're not yet ready to be a parent or a dog owner. That's flat-out reality. And I, I feel for people... I do. It's not like I'm being heartless here. But I'm not talking to the victims of this right now. I'm talking to this audience about not becoming a victim in the future unless there's no way around it. Because again, the majority of people suffering right now are suffering more than they had to. Even if it was going to suck. Even if it was going to be miserable. It doesn't have to be as bad as it is. They, they, because of inaction or indecisiveness, piss poor planning, put whatever you want on top of that, because I couldn't leave because you didn't have a plan in place to leave when you would have to. Because of those things, they are more miserable now than they, than they have to be. And they're consuming resources. And if the majority of people had taken responsible action, the number of people that actually need something like CAC team would go down. I said long ago when I, when I started this show, I see my job in preparedness like a fire marshal. The fire marshal will show up with the firemen and put the fire out when the fire gets started. We will be reactionary when we have to. But what's the fire marshal's chief job? That would be the prevention of the fire. And the mitigation of the fires that will happen anyway. Sometimes there's going to be a fire. Sometimes everybody does everything right, the building codes are followed, everything's done right, nobody does anything responsible, and something happens, and there's a fire. But if everything's done properly and procedures are followed, the consequences of the fire are less than they would have been otherwise. That doesn't mean nobody will die. That doesn't mean horrible things won't happen. But the overall result is less bad than it could have been. And that's what preparedness is all about. Preparedness is not surviving disasters because if you're surviving a disaster that means you don't have time to prepare anymore preparedness is the avoidance elimination and mitigation of the disasters that will come into our world and right now i'm hearing from a lot of people that make me feel good in this people in those indirectly affected areas people in the less harmed directly affected areas saying, hey, you know what? The stores are empty. Power's out. Here we are, cooking on the grill, listening to some music, running the backup power, plenty of gas. This will all be over for us in a week at the most. We're going to be just fine. I'm hearing from people that say, you know what, Jack? I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out with my cousin up here in Dallas. Maybe I'll come by and buy you a beer sometime while I'm here. Don't know what's going to happen at home, but I know that everybody's safe, and that's what matters. By the way, I brought my stuff with me, and we're not a burden on my cousin. 
That's preparedness. That's modern survivalism. So please, consider helping us at CAC Teams, but more than anything else, help yourself and help your neighbor so that you don't end up being one of these people that needs that level of help, that's grateful for a box of diapers, a couple bottles of water, and some crackers. So there's some people out there right now, this moment, feeling very grateful for those items. And that's another thing. It should humble us all a little bit when we see a disaster like this to realize how important preparedness is because even when you're prepared, some of these people, they did everything right and they're still in misery. They did everything they could within the boundaries of what was doable for them. There's people, I talked to some people the other day that were up here and I could just tell they were from, they were from down south and they were in a pretty crappy truck. They're getting some gas, and they have way more people crammed into this thing than you would expect. And when I asked them, you know, are you guys from, from Houston area? And they were, they were not actually from Houston. They were from actually south of Houston. And they said, yeah. And I, I said, well, where are you guys going? They said, we're staying with you know, this guy's uncle. Oh, okay. I said, man, that's a, that's a lot of you in there. And the guy said, you know, the reason there's so many of us in here is, is we didn't really have a vehicle. We basically all got together in a group, and we borrowed this from this guy's brother. And you think there's a lot of us in here now, you should see all the kids. They basically had the whole back of this truck loaded with kids. But they got out. They got out. And they were in an area that was not mandatorily required evacuation. They made a decision for themselves, even though they were of limited means. But when you just say everybody should just get out, some people can't get out. They were lucky to be able to find somebody that would loan them this piece of crap truck And the guy that loaned it to him probably figured, if I don't loan it to him, it's probably going to sit here. And he wasn't going to bug out with it. I'm sure he had something better. And he probably figured, if I, if I leave it here, it's going to end up flooded and destroyed anyway. But it should be humbling for us. Because what separates us from Haiti with the earthquake there and all of the destruction that happened there is not the fact that we're in America. We're only one disaster away from being there, too. And those of us who are really prepared, we are the minority. We are the minority. There's going to be worse to come from Houston before this is over. Again, please consider helping us. And one of the ways you can help us, if you're anywhere, I think this is probably the bigger need that we have right now, rather than responders um, or even money. Right now, this moment, tell us where we can go. If you can just go out and find people and get in touch with Stephen, we'll send somebody. We're trying to find the people that are not getting a lot of support. That's who we want to help. So please let us know where they are. That's, that's the best thing that you can do for us today. With that, um, oh, I do want to remind you today, even though it's mostly a non-commercial show, that you can help support the Survival Podcast by doing your online shopping at Amazon. or when you do your online shopping at Amazon.com to go to tspaz.com first. If you go to tspaz.com, you can take a look at all of our items that we do for review, and you can just get on over to Amazon, and as long as you do that, you help support us no matter what you buy. But I brought back an item that I actually had just like 40 days ago I had featured this because I think it's so fitting with what's going on right now and people needing to be able to communicate. It's the Anchor Astro E7 26 thousand eight hundred milliamp portable charger. 
Um, I'll just say go take a look at it if you don't have a really good backup power system. But this thing will charge an iPhone 6S 10 times. 10 times. Um, that'll get you through just about any period of time until you get to another place where you can charge up. Uh, I also mentioned in that review that I did, the Anchor 24-watt dual USB car charger, that's my personal solution to make sure that my devices are always charged. I keep an Anchor plugged into the to the Anchor. <laughs> the Anchor's plugged into the Anchor. And uh, I've always got that, that bank of 10 charges available to me. And that'll get me through just about anything, get you there too. So uh, definitely consider adding that to your kit. This is a good time to evaluate not just power, but where are you weak with your preps. If you were in Houston right now and you did want to evacuate, what would you not have? That's a great question. And the other one is if you were in a part of Houston right now and you were going to be, your property was going to be safe, but you were going to be stuck where you are. And I'm hearing from a lot of people, right? we're good, but we're stuck. And it's a good thing we're prepared. Where would you be weak? Answer those questions for yourself and do something about it. Uh, next up, though, what a great song for today. It's one of my all-time favorite songs, man. John and Adam has, like, how could this, you know, symbiotically, you know, synchronistically end up as our, uh, our show, our, our song of the day today. But, but it did, yet again, something fitting pretty well. The song is Get Together uh, from the Youngbloods, uh, released originally in 1967. I'll give you a little a couple facts on this show, this song, and then I want to tell you a little bit about why I think it's really a great song for today. This was written in 1963 by Dino Valenti from Quicksilver Messenger Service. If you don't know who Quicksilver Messenger Service was, they were kind of like a psychedelic rock band, I guess is the best way to describe them. Uh, he signed away the rights to it when he was in prison for marijuana possession. More accurately, he sold it. I don't, I don't say that here, but I know that I know the story. He sold it to help pay for his legal defense. Uh, the Youngbloods recorded it and gave the composer credit to Chet Powers, Valenti's real name. Uh, when it was released in 67, it flopped. It became a hit in 69 when the National Conference of Christians and Jews distributed it to radio and TV stations to support Brotherhood Week. Um, the song was the last of the Dave Clark Five's eight top UK hits, reaching number eight when it recorded uh, as Everybody Get Together in 1970. So this song's actually been covered by quite a few people. I want to read to you the lyrics that not everybody knows, I guess would be the way to put it, right? Because, like, everybody knows the, the chorus to the song, right? Come on, people now, smile on your brother. Everybody knows this song, right? Most people don't actually know the words to the song. They only know the chorus of the song. It's been used in so many movies. It was in Forrest Gump. It's been in every movie about the Vietnam War era. It's always in there. So it's people are very familiar with it. I want to read to you every word of this song, all of the verses, without the chorus. Love is but a song to sing. Fear's the way we die. You can make the mountains ring or make angels cry. Though the bird is on the wing... And you may not know why. Some may come, some may go. We shall surely pass when the one that left us here returns for us at last. But we are, we are but a moment's sunlight fading in the grass. If you hear the song I sing, you will understand. Listen. You hold the key to love and fear. And in your trembling, all in your trembling hand, 
Just one key unlocks them both, and it's at your command. Interesting way to look at life, isn't it? Basically, that you can have misery or joy. Your life can be good or bad relative to the alternatives. Some people's lives are obviously completely charmed with opportunity, but yet they do manage to make themselves miserable. And some people's lives are inherently limited by their status in life, yet they manage to make themselves happy. So when I say that your life can be good or bad, it is relative to your position, but you have that influence. And the only person that gets to make that determination is you, no one else. You hold the key. That certainly fits well in with the mentality of preparedness. And your choices right now, you know, about what will happen to you and your family if the next disaster happens to be in your backyard. But the chorus, come on people now, smile on your brother, everybody get together, try to love one another right now. First of all, we need more sentiments like that in our country today with all of the strife and unrest in the streets and stuff like that. I mean, come on. But for this This response to this disaster, I'm going to tell you what. I seldom say things like I'm a proud American or I'm a proud Texan. Um, I'm not really proud of accidents of birth. I'm not proud to be white. I'm not proud to be male. I'm not proud to be American. Those are all accidents of birth. I was expelled from a birth canal, and gee, I'm a white American male. I don't have any shame in any of that, of course, but I don't, I don't like go like I'm better than you because I was expelled from a birth canal in New Jersey, which happened to be within the borders of the United States. I guess a little I get a little credit for being a Texan because I chose to come here, but again, you know, it wasn't like hey, I'm going to go be a Texan because Texans are cool. It was like hey, there's opportunity there. But right now, I am proud of America and I'm proud of Texas. The response to this is amazing. I am blown away by the way people here are doing all that they can. And I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it on my next door, which is like a, a mini Facebook, if you want to think it like that, just for our neighbors. I'm seeing people saying right now, what can I do? How can I help? As I mentioned with my interview with Steve, there's a lady who was trying to rehab this little church right on the corner from where I live that posted, I have a 10 by 10 room filled floor to ceiling with clothing. How do I get it to people? My response was, call Stephen Harris or Tom Patterson. Let them let their people know. I'll let their people know. And if we find some place they need to go, we'll come get it. We'll take it there. Come on, people now. Smile on your brother. Everybody get together. Try to love one another. Notice the most important part. Right now. Right now. With that, this has been Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. Help me figure out how to live a better life if times get tough or even if they don't. Love is but a song we sing. Fierce we will die. You can make the mountains ring Or make the angels cry Though the bird is on the wing And you may 
When the one that left us yet Returns for us at least We are but a moment's sunlight Fading in the grass Come on, people now Smile on your brother Everybody get together Yeah. 